all you beautiful people, and welcome to the Glorious in the Mundane podcast. I'm your host, Christy Knuckles. I hope you are having a wonderful week. I have actually been on the mend from a very bad cold that actually took my voice out this past week. So I'm happy to be back with you. That has not happened to me in a really long time. Today was the first day that my voice started sounding actually pretty normal. And you might hear a hint of it here and there, but I'm so grateful to have it back. Happy Thanksgiving week, and thank you so much for joining me. I imagine some of you are maybe even listening in the car on the way to Grandma's or something like that. But I just wanted to let you know how grateful I am for all of you. Your letters and your comments, they do get read, and we are so blown away how God is meeting you right where you are. I got to hear from a very sweet lady who is in Africa, caring for people there in a really powerful way. And it just boosts our courage and our faith when we get to hear how God is so faithful to encourage His people in so many different ways, right where they are. And we're just so humbled that He would use our little team in that way. I want to specifically thank again, just our patrons of the Glorious in the Mundane podcast, friends who have stepped in to literally help us back this podcast. And you can do the same, actually. For just $6 a month, you can become a supporter or patron of the podcast. And you actually do help us keep this thing going. And in return, you'll get the podcast before the rest of the world gets it, at least most of the time. This week was an exception to that. But an added feature is after each podcast, I love to give our patrons discussion questions or what we call actually journal prompts, so that if the Lord really stirs your heart during an episode, we can actually journey together a little bit deeper. And there are other added bonuses as well, and you can find out much more about that on patreon.com slash Christy Knuckles. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash Christy Knuckles. It's a free app that you can download on your phone, and you can listen to the podcast straight from that app and leave comments. And we actually really try to reply to that. Anyway, I hope this episode finds you well as we head into a week of gathering together with loved ones for Thanksgiving. Our little family will be headed to Oklahoma, as that's where Nathan and I are both from. And we'll be loading up the dogs because, yes, yet again, I forgot to call last January to book our dogs a place at the kennel for Thanksgiving. So there's that. We'll be road tripping the nine hours to Tulsa and then three or so more to Oklahoma City to see both sides of our family. And then it's just over as quick as it began, unfortunately. And because it does fly, it's good to go in remembering that. For some of you, you need to remember it because gathering with family is maybe painful. It might bring back memories that you don't want brought back, and you find yourself maybe gritting your teeth going in. You might just need to remember it's going to fly by. Others of you, it might be the last time you gather with that older loved one, or honestly, who knows if that same group gathered around that table this Thanksgiving will make it back to the table next year. It's just a good thing to remember. It's going to fly by. Be intentional. Have that conversation. Hug that neck. Pray going in and pray going out. For some of you, you literally have to put on your armor. A friend of mine recently just told me that she's been battling some major fear in her life, and she has to walk to her car at night sometimes. And she told me she literally sings the head-to-toe song from the Lullaby record that we released as a way of praying. Maybe you need to play head to toe before you head in. I don't know why it is, but oh my goodness, family, it's just no joke. It's heavy on all sides sometimes, it seems. 
I think probably for all of us, the tendency is to put on sort of this self-protection, to self-preserve in those gathering moments. Believe me, I've done it. But maybe instead of your go-to this year, as you pray to get your head on straight in your heart, maybe you protect yourself with the armor that God has already put in place for you, that helmet of salvation, renewing that mind of yours of who He is and who you are. And you have His righteousness covering your chest, not your own, but His. That's huge. You have the belt of truth around your waist, covering your core, if you think about it, where all the strength in your body comes from. You've got the shield of faith, which I've learned Paul would have been referring to a shield that was literally the size of a door, head to toe, literally, that covers you entirely, maybe covering you from those hard conversations that challenge you year after year. Then you've got the gospel of peace on your shoes as you walk into that loved one's home. This means that you can be a person of peace wherever your feet take you. Not a warring individual, but a person with peace on your countenance. Secure that your family isn't your project to take on, but instead you can release them to the Holy Spirit, even out loud, before you even come into contact with them. They are His to govern and correct and change and move, and you just get to be the person of peace and a person of calm to them. And then, of course, the sword of the Spirit that's both offense and defense. I love that. Not that you'll necessarily need to spout off Scripture around the table, but (laughs) it can be embedded into your heart to both war off and cut through lies that are going to try to seep through. I'll never forget a message that I heard Louis Giglio preach a long time ago about sending a blessing back up your family tree, especially if you are a believer and you have family members who are not, or who maybe have even fallen away from the Lord. He shared as believers, we now belong to a new family tree, and we are truly now in the lineage of Christ, receiving every spiritual blessing like Ephesians 1 tells us, and we can get all that we need from our new family tree, or hello, that's the bullseye. We receive our belovedness that drips down that new family tree like sap. And what it does is it releases pressure from our natural family tree, that biological tree that we try to sometimes suck dry to even get a drop of worth or validation. And year after year, it just comes up dry and we maybe walk away empty. But what we instead realize that without Jesus, we too were once completely broken And we had nothing to give either. What if we remembered that Jesus forgave us once for our everything? What if somehow identifying with where our family is at, that we once needed mercy and grace too? What if that releases in us something that frees us to start sending blessing back up that biological tree? What if it frees them of guilt and shame and bitterness and causes them to redirect their thoughts toward what in the world has made you so different. If your family Thanksgiving is a respite, and if you have that place to hide with people who love you and are for you, and there's this peace from a new family tree that's covering all of you, it's not perfect, no, but it's purified. Soak that in. Take it slow and make remembrance together as you hold both sides of the tension as we are between the now and the not yet, as these brushes with heaven on earth, a harvest filling our table, remind us that God is faithful 
and His love endures forever. Maybe promise to pray for a friend on Thanksgiving morning who might be walking in to the war zone called a family meal. Maybe text them to say, remember to put your armor on head to toe. Well, speaking of family today, I'm so thrilled to get to sit at the table with my older brother, Eric Hill. Eric is the middle child of our family. We have an older brother, Sean, then there's Eric, then there's me. I was actually the only girl on both sides of the family until I was 20 years old. We had another girl cousin come along. But our growing up years, Eric and I, were far from perfect and certainly have been purified by fire. In fact, some painful fire through the years. We are pastor's kids from Oklahoma, as I've told many of you before. And a lot of times that meant the big church in the small town with all eyes peering in, the whole fishbowl thing, of course. And we'd often say about Eric that Eric was working on his testimony (laughs) all those years. Eric pushed the boundaries, and he let all the questions roar in him, and he definitely challenged my parents like nobody's business. But I can look back now on all of it and see that there was such a war over his heart and his life for a good reason. Eric and his wife, Kristen, Amaryllis Kristen, who you actually heard the last episode, have been a quiet force for many years, serving at two huge megachurches in Houston, Texas as youth pastor. Eric and Kristen, I loved that they always really knew those kids that they got to pastor. They knew those kids' parents. They labored with love all those years, building relationships and having conversations with kids that would prove to be actually truly life-changing. And they were also, at that very same time, a quiet force in my life and in Nathan's life. I've shared before that Eric has single-handedly challenged me and inspired me the most, I think, as a songwriter, especially as a lyricist. And sometimes literally coming to me with song ideas, we would start writing together, including a time that we wrote a song called Driven to Humility when I was actually just in high school. And that song actually ended up on a Watermark album back in 1997, And Eric and I also wrote Be Loved Together from the album that's called Into the Glorious that I released back in, I think, 2012. And he's inspired countless other songs. But when God called Eric and Kristen several years ago to go out on their own and start a ministry called With You, I actually got to be one of Eric's first guinea pigs. He was still living in Houston at the time, and I was in Atlanta. But we'd have our weekly phone call as he would lead me through this process of discovery of how God was engaging my heart and how I could experience true rest through learning really what remembrance truly is. I'd say if the concentric circles moment for me was sort of the beginning of my belovedness journey, then my process with Eric and sort of these phone calls and us sort of journeying together which was seven years, by the way, after my bullseye moment or my farm table epiphany that I've told you about. I'd say at that time that I was meeting with Eric, it was sort of this process of God already needing to actually pull my heart back into alignment with His. I think we can sort of leave the bullseye in different seasons of our lives, and the Lord kind of does what it takes to get us back to that place. And this sort of process with just talking with Eric and him teaching me and him kind of just sharing from his own 
discovery was sort of the Lord pulling me back from actually kind of being lost in what I was doing and being pulled back to the center of who God made me to be, of who God is and who I am in Him. In fact, the entire record that I mentioned earlier called Into the Glorious came actually out of this season that I got to journey with Eric. And he had written some material and had pulled from some other material that had greatly impacted him. And there we'd sit, me literally on the floor in my closet. That was my quiet place of choice. And along with Eric's help and the Holy Spirit just helped me see that I was exhausting myself as I was attempting to simply manage my life. But what God was offering was mystery that would change my life forever. If you remember, and we can refer back together to the concentric circles and the stories I shared with you way back from the beginning of this podcast, you'll remember that the bullseye represents who we are. It's this fixed place of where we sit today in Jesus as His beloved. I listen sometimes and pray these prayers on this Ransomed Heart app that I've told you about before by John Eldridge. And I love the daily prayer that's on there, and I love how it's worded because it brings to my remembrance the covering that I have as God's beloved, the covering that's over that bullseye, if you will. And part of that daily prayer that John prays is this. It says, Jesus, I receive you as my life, and I receive all the work and triumph in your resurrection. And it goes on to say, I take my place now in your resurrection and in your life, and I give my life to you to live your life. I am saved by your life. I reign in life through your life. I receive your hope, your love, your faith, joy, and your goodness, trueness, wisdom, power, and strength. And then it says, apply to me all the work and triumph in your resurrection, and I receive it with thanks. And I love this part. It says, I give it total claim to my spirit, soul, and body, my heart, mind, and will. As I shared in the beginning, that bullseye is where we can learn to live from, from our everyday lives, from sort of this inside-out approach. And as I've shared before, my exhaustion had come from more of this outside-in approach I had developed through striving and strain. I was pushing inward from all the things I was busy doing for God and for other people. In that season, Eric patiently and lovingly shared his own story of what God was teaching him about allowing himself to relearn how to come as a child before God, to somehow not be afraid to let go Moving from the inside out is scarier sometimes, I can attest. Sometimes the mystery of God and what He's going to take us through and journey through with us can be terrifying because we have to surrender. Yes, we can busy ourselves managing. We can predetermine all the things. We can plan. We can absolutely yes ourselves into exhaustion so that God can maybe tally up all the things we've done for Him and He can be proud. Or we can emerge our truest selves from a place of rest and walk into the mystery, like Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, 
which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That's inside out. We can emerge as his workmanship today, created in Christ Jesus for what he's already prepared in advance for us to walk into. It's amazing if we really see what has already been done for us. I can see now that the Lord is calling Eric and Kristen to a place of sharing a little bit more on a broader level of what he's put in them. And I have to believe as they trust God with him using them a bit wider, that he's still going to use them in ways that are even deeper. And I want you to hear from Eric today because though he's my brother, he's also a kindred spirit and someone who has spurred me in my relationship with Jesus for many, many years of my life. You might think for a moment that Eric is maybe a theologian. He has those moments, but trust me as well that he's literally one of the funniest people that I know. (laughs) Eric is going to be speaking and helping host our Christmas tour called A Night of Hope, and we'll be coming to St. Louis, to Northwest Atlanta and Calhoun, Georgia. We'll be going to Houston, Athens, Georgia, Minneapolis, and Oklahoma City as well. So if you're in those areas, we would love to have you. I could not be more excited to have Eric on tour with me for the first time ever. And it's going to be such a special night. As I've said last time, we want this to be such a special time of remembrance around the hope that Jesus is. We are doing VIP tickets in some of these select cities, and those have been filling up. So I've been working on some special things for that time. We would love to have you in that VIP time. We might be able to decorate some cookies together. At least we know we're going to be taking some fun Christmas photos together, and we would love to have you and your family join us if you can. So definitely check out my website, christineockles.com, for all of that info. But until then, I hope you enjoy this conversation today of a brother and a sister who also turned out to be really good friends and kindred spirits. This is Eric Hill. Well, it's pretty surreal to be sitting here with my brother, Eric Hill, and it's super exciting, and I hope it's actually maybe the first of some other times down the road (laughs) that we'll get to sit together. But I'm happy for people to finally get to hear from you, and recently they've gotten to hear from Kristen, who I call Amaryllis Kristen on this podcast, and now they get to hear from you, and so welcome. What are you going to call me? (laughs) Seriously. Amaryllis Kristen, and... Well, I called you Freddie growing up. Wow. Okay. And you called me Henry. I don't know why. (laughs) So there's that. Um, Well, thanks for having me. (laughs) It's great to be a part of your... Glorious and the mundane. <laughs> Let's talk about it. <laughs> That's not how you really talk. Sorry, it's not, but <laughs> Kristen's over here in the room and she's laughing her head off. So Amarillo's Kristen, sorry. <laughs> um well I'm so excited and I'll say this first off is that we're gonna get to go on tour together in December and I'm like really excited about that that will be pretty fun to get to be on a tour bus together i can say that i never imagined that i would get to do that (laughs) so and i'm happy for people to get to hear from you Hmm. and me too oh no (laughs) sorry i meant it's gonna be fun (laughs) 
Um, but yes, so we both grew up in a pastor's home and from Oklahoma. We grew up in the same house, but we have two different stories, and I would love for you to just kind of tell your story a little bit. And really, I think back a lot on just how we were raised, and it was just, we have some funny stories, crazy stuff. But a friendship did form that I'm, like, really grateful for. And But I would love for people to just kind of hear from you. We'll get into kind of, like, the ministry that you and Kristen started. and um, But tell tell a little bit about just your life and your story. And Yeah. Um, like Christy said, we grew up in a pastor's home. I didn't really know how to appreciate that then, obviously. And I think that's probably the case for most kids don't really know how to appreciate what your parents are going through and what it is that they're sacrificing and but I think for us you know church was just a part of our just lives I mean yeah. it was not like hey you think we're gonna go this week it's like no it's like you're gonna be there pretty much every time the doors are open and oh yeah and um which made for some really fun moments and times for us and I have a um, dent in my shin from we were the only church open on that gigantic snowstorm and I fell and like hit my shin against the wall and I blamed my dad for like a really long time (laughs) yeah well I mean I always say that you know Christy was like grew up and that was I mean church was the place you learned really had a place to kind of start to live out who you have always been. Just we knew when you were two years old, you were mm-hmm. like, there's something going on here with this girl. I mean, I didn't know how to say that, but like we all felt it and knew it, that like there was something different the Lord had put in you. And so you were, a lot of times, I think in a, in a really neat way, you got the, the church was a place that you got to really work that out, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, for me, probably the difference between us is, like, I was getting called called down from the back pew for talking. And, <laughs> like, had to walk the aisle of shame all the way down in front of the church. Because Dad would call us I out. Oh, straight up. If like, we talked. Eric yeah. Hill, you please come sit with your mother. <laughs> like That's a true story. Walk of shame. I mean, several times. Um, you think I would have learned my lesson and... Then I would get in trouble for drawing, and then I would always have like a backup drawing of a cross, so that I could like. <laughs> I was drawing the cross, Dad. Mm-hmm. I've seen that picture before. Where did you pull that up? Pull that out of your pocket. <laughs> um, but no, one of my like, you know, some of the stories are true. Not always, but like, pastors' kids get a bad rap. But I think it's because we're just we're just there all the time, and so you're like you start to look for things to do, and that typically ends up being not always great things. Yeah, things you know? that get you in trouble. You think they are, but <laughs> like my one of my big ideas was like I got for whatever reason I got good at spitting staples out from with my teeth. Yeah, and it was on a Wednesday night in church. I'll never forget it. I think I was maybe like the third row, fourth row back. And Dad had brought his plat, his like podium down on the floor, and during the service, I was shooting staples with my teeth into this lady's hair. <laughs> she had like <laughs> that like 
really big blue hair, you know? And I was just filling her hair up with <laughs> with staples. And really not only I think one of their guy knew I was doing it. And so and then, you know, things are always funnier when you're in church. It's you know, true. it's like you It's true. For whatever reason the smallest thing just starts <laughs> this like tidal wave of like laughing and shaking you can't stop. the pews. We actually had pews back then. Yeah, and, well, the story goes on to where one one staple went astray, and it flew over the lady's head, and during my dad's preaching, hit him in the eye. And I'll never forget that feeling of, like, he goes, he stopped and, like, blinked, and he was like, a staple just hit me in the eye. <laughs> and he's like, picked it up off of his Bible and it was just that moment where you know you wanted to just disappear for life because you knew if he found out <laughs> it was just like you your life is over <laughs> and thankfully he didn't press it and he didn't ask and not until a few years ago did I actually confess <laughs> that actually happened wasn't it like Thanksgiving one time? Totally. Where like, I was like, Dad, remember that stable that hit you in the eye? And he was like, yes. <laughs> he was like, well, that was me. He just shook his head. Oh, man. We've we've had to confess a few different things through the years. <laughs> but all in all, I mean, like, now having been on this side of it as a dad, uh, you know, in ministry, having been on staff at a church, and you start to have a whole new appreciation for all that they went through so many more good things besides staples and <laughs> right. getting called down that was really rare but yeah just funny stories yeah so you and Kristen started a ministry called with you and I remember when you first started talking about it and um I guess I should back up a little bit that you and I have kind of always like sat around with the guitar. I mean, even since I was in high school and you were in college and we even wrote a song together called Driven to Humility that mm -hmm. went on our Watermark record. So some of you that listened to Watermark back in the day, you might remember that song. And that kind of um, led into, I think, just you always like inspired songs like through the years, like you've just been one of those people that you either it's just through a conversation really like I would kind of end up going yeah like I'm gonna write about that and so when you guys really started first like talking about this concept that Jesus is with us like that's this promise that we really don't in general I think um, stay aware of at times or like really live from that truth and I remember when God started forming it in you you were you had been on staff at some big churches youth pastor nathan and i coming and doing you know worship for your camps mm -hmm. for like several summers in a row i mean like 300 kids on the beach type camp situations that mm -hmm. you were ahead of and charging it's probably more like 800 but it really was i mean we're not counting but <laughs> <laughs> i'm messing with you but it's um, more than 300 <laughs> um, and can I say my favorite memory from the summer camp? Yes. 
because we couldn't do this now, but we literally had like some wrestling was a big deal, like actual like it was like a big deal back then, and a lot of our senior guys were totally into it and begged us to let them have an actual wrestling match yeah. on the beach. Yeah. And I was like, okay. And um, <laughs> and surprised them and got an actual wrestling ring brought in and put it together on, on the, beach. the beach. And they had it all worked out. I mean, they absolutely, I, I cannot believe still to this day, someone <laughs> did not get hurt or didn't die. It was unbelievable. And my favorite memory of that whole night was we, it was went on for a long time and we were like is it anybody seen nathan he's talking about my husband nathan Nathan knuckles and i know we were looking forever and we finally like i think that's him and we had invited ted dibiase to come in and speak who's was a christian speaker he was former pro wrestler wasn't he like the million dollar man million dollar man i had his i had his pjs i mean it was like so did nathan like so, like, he was a big deal when we were kids. And so Nathan was sitting down in front of the ring, crisscross applesauce, like a little kid, <laughs> and was, like, back arched and was just, like, straight up just, like, just listening. Staring at Like, being, him. like, a little kid, like, this is Ted DiBiase, and I'm not missing this. And that was, like, one of my most favorite camp memories. Totally, me too. We look back on that with a lot of, you know, just gratefulness in our hearts, too. And just that we got to, like, journey along with you. And I remember just, you know, when you kind of, the Lord started getting a hold of your heart around the time that your youngest was born, right? Mm-hmm. Lily Claire. Mm-hmm. And um, so that would have been, like, 11 years ago, right? Yeah. And when I was first hearing you kind of just go like something's stirring in us like we think God's calling us out like and you know little did we know it would be sort of years later till things like which is always the case with all of us but like till things would really come into fruition but those early days of just God stirring this message in you about being the beloved. I think I remember a conversation that we had and we actually wrote the song together called Be Loved mm-hmm. and you had come to me and you had written, you had started the song and, and it was basically like, have you ever let yourself be loved? And I remember us having that conversation because you were like, you know, it doesn't matter how you were raised, if you were raised in the church or even like we said, you know, we were raised in the same household, but mm-hmm. we had different stories. And um, but how still in your adult life you have to come to that place of receiving that love over yourself before you can be that love to the world. What we're mm-hmm. actually called to do. And so, um, talk a little bit about just those first stirrings. I guess of was it like scales coming off your eyes? Was it like? Um, you hearing for the first time, like, or in a new way, or, like, what was that like, you know, of just, you were, you know, at, you had this great job, you know, you were, you know, I always remember you and Kristen being so involved in, like, the kids' lives and the parents, and you loved it, and um, what was that like to feel like, okay, God's stirring something, and, and I'm feeling like He's asking us to step out. Mm-hmm. I think our heart with and working with students and families was always that that kids 
would would associate joy and freedom with Christ in the church. I would say this: it's, it was easier for me to want that for them. Um, and I and the shift for me was that: do you really want that for you? Yeah. You know, do you really know how what that looks like to associate joy and freedom with Christ and His church? And I would probably say because my profession or my like job was a pastor it it probably was switched it was probably like associate joy and freedom with church and then christ mm-hmm. and it was it was church to me became without really knowing it or wanting it to become that it became a part of my identity mm-hmm. and so that's a hard separation and that's when i say i have an appreciation for what mom and dad really did growing up was was I, I know that I mean being I guess a proficient professional you know pastor or mm-hmm. whoever whatever that looks like it's just hard to separate the two mm-hmm. how can you lead others to joy and freedom in Christ and then deal with the business mm-hmm. and, and the details and all the other things that go into to leading people to that it sometimes just gets really monotonous and mm-hmm. and I think over time I just without knowing it it had slipped away and so to me this the shift was was not I had never been to a counselor for myself mm-hmm. and I'd always wanted that for other people I'd always sent people to and mm-hmm. and I highly recommend that and I, I'll never forget going for myself and I went to a guy in, in Houston, and I'll never forget just sitting down and talking to him. And it was, it was almost as if I, like, just the spout <laughs> of my soul just was able to like turn on because it was just mm-hmm. someone safe who didn't really know me. Mm-hmm. But I just listened, and I'll never forget how he wasn't offering a, a process or advice or. He just offered a relationship to me that was so comforting, and, uh, and he, at the end of of his of our time together, I mean, I was I was pretty I was pretty discouraged, and mm. and he just handed me this these six CDs and uh, said, "Hey, I want you to listen to these, and then when you come back, we'll talk." I was like, "Okay," and I'd never heard of the guy. Mm-hmm. Before and at the time, I was preparing Lily Claire's nursery mm-hmm. and um, preparing, and that I was painting it, get, switching it around, and kind mm-hmm. of getting ready for her birth. And I'll never forget painting in the side of it of her room. It was pink, some mm-hmm. form of pink, you know. <laughs> it was pretty much our our home. <laughs> three Having girls, three girls, minority and a sorority. That's my claim to fame but I'll never forget I'd never heard Brennan Manning before Mm. and he started talking about do you really believe that God loves you as you are not as you should be for you'll never be as you should be Mm. and it just I was like in mid you know with the roller and I was like and it was like someone verbalized something Mm -hmm. And it resonated with my soul. And I was like, what did he just say? And right there in that room, I'll never forget 
this picture because I literally like curled up in a ball on the ground and just started weeping. Mm. And here I was in the nursery. The picture for me in that moment was like, you don't see yourself as a child anymore. Like you, mm. you're like an expert. I don't want you to be an expert. Mm. I want you to, to be my child. In fact, Jesus even says, unless you come to me like this, you won't enter the kingdom, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. So that to me is when the shift started to happen. Was mm-hmm. When I started to see myself as a child again mm-hmm. and associating like real joy and real freedom with Christ first. And then the kingdom of God just became so much bigger mm-hmm. than the, a denomination mm-hmm. or a brand or anything else. It was the, the bride of Christ and the kingdom of God expanded mm. um, just a little. <laughs> it was way bigger than I mm. ever imagined and or even had vision to even think of, think of it being so big mm-hmm. and so grand and so wonderful. Who was it? G.K. Chesterton? Chesterton um, talks about the twitch on the soul like how it's like God has a little thread wrapped around your your soul and and when he wants you to remember something there's a little twitch mm. <laughs> and for me it, that's what it was it was uh, mm. him starting to move me toward his to his heart so yeah. a long-winded answer but like mm-hmm. that's awesome I don't think I've actually ever heard that part of how God started that in you and stirred that mm-hmm. and like that of you being in the nursery and all that stuff is yeah. beautiful um what's the message that I'd love for you to tell just like what you find yourselves carrying you and Kristen mm-hmm. the most like just the message and the thing that you end up sharing with people the most or even what people ask you about the most you know are people coming yeah. and just needing to hear the most like what is that yeah I would say I want it to be more grand than it sounds. Mm. I think we find ourselves feeling like we need to almost expand it or explain it more. But I think what we're learning is that this is the greatest truth of where life moves from just being managed to a, a life of surrender to mystery. And the only way it can make that shift is, and the message is, is that He is with us. And then over a hundred times in Scripture, He tells us that, does that promise that I will be with you always. And it's easy to kind of move past that and go, okay, that's that's a that's cool slogan. But we, the shift started to happen, like I said, and over the next few years, it, I didn't know how to describe what was happening, but it was finally really just kind of manifested itself into saying we are supposed to the context of how we're doing ministry is changing we don't even we don't know what that looks like because it's different than what we've ever known and the message we really found was through the story of Moses and like Moses was you know grew up and had a life that was pretty cush you know mm-hmm. and then he began to feel the tension between where he was and where God's people were. As you know, an unfortunate incident happened 
And then he fled and mm-hmm. and then remained there for 40 years and was, I think, probably content to stay there. So God came and asked Moses to, like, hey, when you go free my people, and Moses, like us, was like, who am I, you mm-hmm. know, that I should go? And God's response in that moment, we learn a lot from what he he did say, but also for what from what he didn't say. And he didn't say, Moses, you're a great leader, you can do it, or kind of smack him on the behind and say, hey, you got this man, and uh, you got all the leadership qualities. He just, God said, I will be with you. Mm. And so the message of our ministry is, is that enough for you? Mm. And honestly, until it is, I think the temptation is to continue to manage life mm. so that it, it works for you. And so that it's explainable. And so nothing about what God was asking Moses to do had anything to do with him making it successful. Mm. It had everything to do with him answering or surrendering the call to the mystery and only being okay in that mystery with the fact that God was with him. Yeah. And so that's where this all started for us was... What, what does that actually look like? What would that look like for us as people to really get back to that place? Mm-hmm. What's that like? What's it been like to lead people? Um, we're at a retreat right now. That's yeah. what we're sitting at right now for worship leaders. And I've watched you literally talk to people. You just spoke tonight on this very thing, leaving management, which you said is really the old, and stepping mm-hmm. into mystery, which is the new. Mm-hmm. God calls us. Um, from the old to the new, and I watched you just basically talk about two hours after because mm-hmm. people just like we just said before we started the podcast, like um, we're just prone to not live in that mm-hmm. that space of mystery. And what's that like to just get to share? I guess that this idea of rest and clarity in mystery. I don't like it. No, I'm just um, I say that because it means that we still have to actually practice that. Yeah. And I mean, it's um, it doesn't always feel great because I actually want to offer like seven steps to to rest. Right. That's easier, and I think actually people like, oh yeah, I'm writing these down. Seven things so I can rest in Christ. Like, what? Tell me how to do it. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I think what you're really asking is, is not doesn't come with seven steps. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the other theme that comes along with this that actually brings us to that point of rest is has really nothing to do with our committing, and it has everything to do with this covenant. Mm-hmm. And so, one of our common other themes that is inside of this is that his his covenant is greater than our commitment. That's the moment, I think, for, for us and when we find with other people, that's an intersection where you're like, hold on a second, what did mm-hmm. you just say? Mm-hmm. Like, the, yeah, it's the truth that like his being with us, Emmanuel, it was the fulfillment from the old to the new, and it was about a person yeah. and not a process. Yeah. And so it's the rest is a person, not a process, and the person is Christ. Mm-hmm. And the precepts are great, and the principles are great, but it has to go to the person of him, of yeah. Christ. Yeah. 
and that's the starting point. And then I think from there, it's like, well, the rest will follow. Yeah. Literally and figuratively and both, and literally. I mean, it's like a soul rest first, and then like, and then it's a life rest. Yeah. And so now there's a, there's a freedom to then pursue. And I think only through relationship that we offer, mm-hmm. not a process or a program, but it's a relationship that we offer to just walk with people wherever they are in whatever phase of life and mm. in whatever place. Um, we just feel like we have appointments like with people. And like you said, we just stayed two hours after, you know, talking to some wonderful, incredible worship leaders from literally all around the world. (laughs) And incredible to see that the response to that message is the same everywhere in any language, in any culture, because it's a kingdom language. It's a kingdom response to a covenant that is attractive well I'll never forget you know getting to like be one of your first I don't know if you like to call them clients but (laughs) (laughs) I say I was your one of your first guinea pigs to kind of go through what God had been teaching you and then you were kind of pulling together different things and sort of like what does this journey look like that we could take people through you know and 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 I was like, I'll do it, you know. <laughs> and I'll never forget, like, you were living in Houston at the time, and I was in Atlanta, and I remember just sitting on the floor in my closet. That was the space where I sat each week when we would have our phone call, and the phone call was like an hour long or so, mm-hmm. and I was learning that I could come to God just as me, just as a daughter of God, and it wasn't about Christy as worship leader, Christy standing on the stage of you know, passion, Christy married to Nathan. It it was just me as his daughter, just getting to come before him and be his beloved and that that was enough. And mm. I remember saying to you, that that's too good to be true. <laughs> like, I've, I've got to serve him. I've got to obey. I've got to do all these things. And it was, I remember you saying, yes, all those things will come out of you living from that place of being his beloved. I'll also never forget you just pointing out that, you know, what had kind of become just through the years a quiet time, which obviously it's time with Jesus, but like what I had sort of, you know, put in a box and like was this thing that, you know, was like this duty sort of that I was supposed to do each day. I'll never forget you helping me kind of wrap my heart around the idea that every day is really about remembrance and remembering that I'm the beloved, remembering his covenant that he initiated. Talk a little bit about that, maybe kind of even tying in what does finding that rest and clarity in the mystery really look like on just day to day, on a right in the middle of the mundane, which is what this podcast is mm-hmm. all about. We're so enamored with, you know, the points and the the seven steps and the process and the da 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 and Every year we come back around to like, yeah, what's the new thing? What's the new thing? What's the new book? And I'm all for it. We need all that. It's just that the starting point is that the remembrance is a person. I'm remembering the person of Christ, Mm -hmm. the already Jesus, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and his already spoken word. 
the truth that's already been revealed. And then that's where this sense of like not having to manage my life around a set of rules, but now there's a there's a there's a sense of being in relationship with him, you know, all throughout the day. It's a true sense of, of him saying, I'm not gonna leave you alone. I'm literally mm-hmm. I will always be with you and I'm leaving my spirit. What that looks like is there's an order to life. I wake up and my life doesn't start with how creative I am or how good or not great my relationships are. It has everything to do with me being put in a place in right standing with him (laughs) through what he's already done through a covenant. Mm -hmm. And he initiated it and he completes it. And so that's a place of rest. And what it does is it relieves the greatest tension that I feel when I wake up. And the greatest tension when I wake up, whether we know it or not, is that we're homesick. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we really just want to be with our Father. Mm-hmm. That won't fully be happen until we're with Him, finally. Mm-hmm. But He's like, until then, mm-hmm. I've left you with my spirit. And so mm-hmm. I'm going to relieve the greatest tension you have. And what it does is it relieves you from managing your life. And now what you can do is what's so mysterious, mm. <laughs> like our relationships, like I love my wife and we've been together for married for 21 years. And it's like, I still find our relationship very mysterious. I mean, it's like, I don't, I don't really, mm. I won't ever fully know her mm-hmm. and she couldn't ever fully know me. But Christ in both of us knows us. Mm. <laughs> and so it's in that, that's the oneness that we really have together is that Christ in us. And when we're at rest with Christ in us, we are able to move toward one another without going, hey, I need you to make me feel rest rested. Mm. You need to fulfill me relationally, like in every way, you know. Mm. And she'll never be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And so the greatest gift that we can give one another is is to say, I'm already at rest. Yeah. And now I'm free to pursue you. Yeah. As Christ wants me to, as he loves the church. Mm-hmm. Now I'm like, gosh, I can pursue my wife and my daughters in such a way that I'm not looking for them to give me rest. Yeah. I'm free to move toward them as I'm supposed to. I think it's been beautiful since we've all been on this journey of how in different parts of the year when we have holidays and we have celebrations, how this like brings all of that, like it just brings Mm -hmm. this new beauty to um, Easter and like Passover time, like you guys did a Seder supper that we were a part of. If you've never been a part of one of those, you need to do that as a family. But this was incredible to get to be part of that. And and then, of course, Christmas. Um, yeah. And I'm so excited that we're actually getting to tour together this season. And, and really, like, this whole idea of a night around, you know, it's a night of hope. And I think in that hope, it's, um, it's remembrance, right? It's coming together as the people of God, and it's remembering together that Emmanuel is with us. And we say that a lot, and we think about the nativity from long ago, but as you know, one of our songs that we wrote for this 
thrill of, the thrill of hope record is silent night it, of course we didn't write silent night but we wrote a chorus to that that it's that same god that all beheld that mary held that night he's holding us now he's with us now mm -hmm. and i'm so excited to get to you know journey with people and around this idea and this like heart of mm -hmm. living from this place of rest um at christmas time and what's one of your hopes i guess just for this night as we get together with people like families maybe even some kids and just getting to like gather together and and remember around christmas you know as parents i think that one of the hardest things for us to do is to once again is to remove ourselves from the place of being an expert and having that pressure of feeling like we have to know what to do all the time. And yes, we're the adults, and yes, we're in a position of like being the parent. I, I hope that adults who are a part of this would see themselves as a child again. Mm. That they would be able to experience the grown-up Jesus. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. in a, obviously, Christ was born you know, when we're celebrating his birth, but, you know, it has to move beyond that point. You know, unless it does, we, it's almost like, eh, it's a cute little mm. thing. You know, it's like, no, he's a person and he's real and he's alive and mm. and he is with us and I'm still a child and I'm still in just as much of need of him as my kids are. I'm still growing up in Christ. Yeah. Because that's what life is. Mm. It's all about growing up in Christ and and so taking that posture, and it's kind of funny, but like taking that posture, taking on that posture, I think even allows our kids to be kids. Yeah. You know, it for them to see us as, you know, adults, putting ourselves in that position mm -hmm. of having to receive him in that way is, I think, is so freeing for kids, for yeah. our kiddos, and yeah, that's that, that's my hope for those nights. And yeah. It's going to be a sweet time, and we're looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to people just hearing from your heart, and we're so excited about what God is doing in you and Kristen both and are happy to be journeying together mm -hmm. in it. So thank you for sharing from your heart today, and I look forward to these nights, and we hope that a lot of you listening will actually join us. Mm -hmm. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. It's been a blast. I so hope you have enjoyed hearing from Eric today. He's literally one of my favorite humans, and I'm so grateful, as you can imagine, for his leadership in my life. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope that you and yours have a wonderful, covered head-to-toe Thanksgiving, and that it is an unexpectedly glorious time somehow. If you're like us and you kick off your Christmas music season on the day after Thanksgiving— my Christmas album called The Thrill of Hope that I released just last year is available everywhere that you listen to music. And you can buy actual copies on Amazon.com and ChristyKnuckles.com. And by the way, if you start your Christmas shopping on Black Friday, like much of the world, we are offering free shipping on my web store for all orders over $50 on Black Friday. There are some darling Glorious in the Mundane farmhouse coffee mugs on there for sale, along with the infamous Glorious in the Mundane sweatshirt that get this. People who have been coming to our concerts are buying it, and they don't even know what the Glorious in the Mundane is. That's how cute they think it is. I literally wear it three times a week. 
is my uniform. Anyway, I hope you'll check all of that out. There's some wonderful stuff on there. I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.